Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Kilbrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Kilbrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So, Without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Daima Mubashir, and um, I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, um, but I grew up in Houston, Texas um, as a child. Um, let's see, but my, I traveled and I spent some time in Chicago, um, where I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago to study film, video, and new media. And then um, I spent some time, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's call it discovering myself. And, um, and then I eventually had a little bit of a, um, a regroup like, um, I needed to reassess what my goals were. And I, I started taking some playwriting classes and I fell in love with the theater, writing for theater. And it had always been there. I'd always been a writer, um, but I got pulled in different directions. And so I found myself in 2010, in 2011, uh, 2011 um, in these playwriting classes that were like phenomenal in Chicago, Illinois. Um, I was studying under M.E.H. Lewis, who's since passed away. 
um, rest in peace, she really opened the door to what was possible. And I, um, anyway, so I, I applied to grad school sort of as a mature-er student and went to Columbia University to study playwriting. And I've been like hustling <laughs> in for theater um, ever since. It's been, a, it's been a whirlwind, it's been a joy, super happy. Yeah, I've seen your plays. You're a genius. You're so humble. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and so how do you identify as Black or African-American? I do. I mean, um, yes, I identify as Black American. Um, my father's side of the family is, is Black American, um, originally from Mobile, Alabama to Birmingham, Alabama. I am, uh, my sister and I are in the process of some real, uh, some some deeper genealogy um, research. So um, catch me in three months and I'll have, I can do this interview with way more information. <laughs> um, but what I do know is that my paternal grandfather worked under A.G. Gaston in Birmingham, Alabama in the, the, in the big construction firm and he was, um, sort of well off, I think, comparatively to the normal African-Americans. And he built a house for him and his family in Birmingham, which I got the opportunity to sort of grow up in, um, in my early, in early youth. Um, so they were, they were very well-educated, all of my father's brothers and sisters had PhDs and were educators. Um, and I find that that I have followed in that track because uh, now I get to be a professor at Bard College um, teaching playwriting. And so academia has been in my DNA. All my paternal aunts and uncles are, um, have been deans and professors and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm, I, I'm proudly following in their footsteps. My mother's side of the family is um, more, more artistic, um, spiritual, lots of singers and um, visual artists in, on that side of the family. And um, they are the Kinnebrews, which I often wonder like, how how closely you and I are related. Um, our names are similar. And although I have not, I don't have the genealogy in front of me. Like I, I suspect there's a little German and a little Irish in addition to the black American in my family. And again, like in the future, I can probably speak more specifically about that. Anyway, my mother's side of the family is from uh, Shannon, Georgia, Floyd County, Rome, just northwest of Atlanta, um, working class, but but very artistic and spiritual type of family. Um, <laughs> I say a little bit warmer haha, than my father's side, the academia side. Anyway, so yeah, that's I'm I'm um, except for brushes with um, I don't I don't even know. You know what? I'm going to scratch that. I'm not going to go in places I don't know yet. But like, I think I'm mostly Black American. To yeah. be TBD. 
<laughs> I need to take this. My mom bought me and my sister and brother the 23andMe and my mom did it, but I haven't done it yet. So I, and my dad used to say like the Killebrews and the Kinnebrews were related. So I feel like we are like distant, distant cousins. Oh, um, wow. So he's, he, so you know Kinnebrews? That's, a, I do. I've met some professionally. My dad would say, yeah, we're all related. So I, I need to do it. Maybe we'll find out that we're distant cousins. It doesn't, yeah, let's, let's, yeah, let's talk. Oh, okay. this is exciting. Yay! I'm really excited to hear. I love listening to people talk and to hear you talk about your experience living and or working and or going to school during the pandemic. And you can decide how much you'd like to share. Um, and if you could, and you're such a gifted storyteller. So if you could just start, some people start at the end of 2019 or early 2020 and just tell us the story through um, the years to today. So 2019 itself, it's the, it, that year was, was a year before that, uh, 2017 and 2018 found me really writing a lot. I, in that period, I wrote a bulk of the plays that I have today. And there was probably three or four plays that came out of that period into, into 2019. And by the time it was May, June of 2019, I had worn myself to the bone with the amount of uh, projects and writing and um, um, trying to network with different working. I was doing a lot of development workshops with different theaters in the sit in New York City, and I found that to be very exhausting. So by May, June of 2019, I had my own personal come to Jesus with my health and um, was just so exhausted that I needed to take a real break and a regroup. So I found myself in the fall, um, I returned to, and, and, and I took a job uh, at my alma mater at Columbia, um, work, just working in an office, just being a worker because I was creatively exhausted. And that was a wonderful beginning of a, uh, of a respite. I had no idea that that rest was gonna <laughs> extend another year and a half, but I needed it. And I know that I feel I was so fortunate that I had that break beforehand. Um, so, so when COVID-19 hit, I was um, I was working in an office, and gratefully, that work transferred to me working at home. And as the introvert that I am, I mean, God bless the people in the office, and God bless all human beings. But if I can work inside without having to come in, and I mean, I'm just I like being alone a lot, and I work better by myself, and so. It was beautiful. I got to work at home. So, but after a while that got kind of got, um, so what happened? 
something interesting. I, I, I did a lot of walking. I took up hiking. I did a lot of resting. Um, I did a lot of reading um, and a lot of meditating. And it was really, really beautiful the way, and I think that this is political, is the black bodies resting. Mm -hmm. And I found it, it was a really abundant time for me to collect my thoughts. In the middle of that, I got to work on this project called Theater Makers. Because after, when George Floyd, in June, when George Floyd, the George Floyd thing, theater went through a awakening let's say a reckoning and an awakening. And so this a couple of friends of mine, Stacy Rose and Keele Gibson, who are also playwrights, started this survey and I worked on that with them. Um, and that was a part of my service to um, people of color in theater. And I just transcribed a lot of this information. And do you know, like, I think it was, I'm not remembering correctly. I think 500 to 700 people responded to that survey and talked about their experiences being working in the theater industry and, and their experiences were across the board similar. People were saying the same thing. We are not being heard um, in costumes. You know, costumes don't fit. They're not shaped for our bodies. There's no hair and makeup is really painful. Like just all kinds of experiences that were really eye-opening. And it was really healing for me to work on that project um, because it validated some of my painful experiences during all the 2017 and 2018 when I was working and working really hard and now I can look back and say, I did, really didn't make a lot of progress. But at the time I felt like I was looking at my peers who are, are um, <laughs> um, have a little less melanin than me, um, were making far greater progress than people who looked like me. So it was really healing to be, work on that project. Coming out of, at the end of 2020, um, things began to shift. And I think because there was that reckoning, um, I got more confidence to apply for different things. And that is when I applied for the position that I have now, which is uh, uh, playwright in residence or professorship at Bard College. So my, um, my COVID-19 experience was restful and productive. And it was the break, it was just the, the shift in pace and um, that I needed. Um, did I, I didn't, I don't, did I lose anybody in, in personally, not in my close, close circle. Like none of my, many of my family members got COVID-19 and mm -hmm. like a lot of people have had it but none with serious illness that died. However, I know people who did lose people. It just okay. didn't reach me personally. Good, I'm thankful. It's so good to hear when that happens because there's so much loss. I'm glad yeah. that wasn't in your inner circle. 
but I did see like where I was living. I saw, I lived at the time, I lived near the uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital in Washington Heights. And so I saw, I saw the trucks and, you know, every day at seven o'clock, you know, the thank yous. And when I did take walks outside, like going by the hospital, it just, I did feel the loss that, that other people were feeling. It was heavy, it was in the air, it was inescapable. Oh, I do remember. I'm glad you reminded me that people were applauding at seven o'clock. So before the Joyce Floyd incident, every night people were applauding the, the frontline workers, the essential workers. You're right. And you just, and oh, I like to ask about groceries. Were you grocery shopping in person or were you ordering groceries? I was, I was, um, at the time, I, even though I was like, I, I, I had a better job instead of being a freelance playwright, which was very difficult. And um, as far as like income is concerned, um, I was working, at, when I was working at Columbia, I made more money, but not enough to order. And I went to the grocery store and I stood in the lines and I actually did not leave New York City. I was in New York City through the pandemic and stood in the line six feet apart. And, you know, that was interesting. Um, I had quite a few experiences inside of grocery store where just boldface racism um, happened. There were one time I was in a grocery store in Washington Heights and I was standing in line and a white man just jumped in front of me and was yelling because they're, they, this one, okay, let, let me tell this story. It's, there was a line, there was, there was, um, the, you know how sometimes the lines kind of go around um, a shelf, a shelving mm -hmm. unit? And so I was around the corner and the line was clearly going like this and then around and I was coming around the corner and the white man comes from the other way and is like, I'm next. And like, and the workers acknowledged and like ushered him in. I was so livid on the inside and I, I think because of the way I was raised, I always take two or three breaths before I wanted to launch so bad, but something held me back and perhaps <laughs> saving my own life, haha. <laughs> but, um, and it's not funny. I, I was so livid, but I swallowed it. Mm. Mm. And there was many more instances like that that happened where, and I noticed, and it was a, there was a real awakening that watching myself, even in 2000, what was it, 2020? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, I'm still swallowing this. And it just, it was a wake-up call that, I don't know, after that, I've been speaking up. 
and not letting stuff like that happen and raising my hand, but I, but it was a wake up call anyway. So yeah, that was my experience of COVID. Thank you for sharing that. Cause like modern racism, it's, it's subtle, but you know, he, people, it's like, unless you're a person of color and you experience it, you don't understand like, there's, right. Like what race, how the form that racism takes today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, and I'm sorry that you experienced that. Thank you. I it is it is something to I tend to handle grief with comedy and that isn't always the best way. Um, so thank you for saying that. Yeah, there's probably something to write about. <laughs> um, yeah. But all of us, all of us swallow, all of us experience it and handle it in different ways. And I also want to reflect back when you talked about the resting period mm. and how you were able to take walks and go hiking. And I find like being in America, all we do is work, 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 like work. We're not human beings. Like I heard someone say we're human doings. We're just doing all the time. Mm -hmm. And then during the pandemic, we were able to rest because we didn't have the commute. And when you mentioned that, I thought of this, um, there's this woman who has a black woman in Atlanta. She has this nap ministry where she says napping is a form of resistance, right? And it's like, we don't need permission to rest. Like it's, it is our, our God-given right to rest. Uh, and so I'm glad you mentioned that. Like we were finally able to take a moment and just be and not and not produce. Right, right, right. I'm thinking, without all the death, I'm, I wish we could schedule that like once every couple of years, you know? Yes, yes, without the death, <laughs> right. Just to stay home, work, don't commute, yeah. Oh, I really appreciate talking to you. I'm so glad that you made time and it's so hard I know like with finding time and and now you're this accomplished professor like you're so accomplished I wish I could have seen your play I saw them when you were in New York but now Bart is in is it Maine or Vermont um it is upstate New York it's two hours away yes what okay <laughs> no no seriously though but with with schedules and time and stuff it, it's it's really hard and um no I am so I mean I am so happy about this and I thank you for your patience as I like um it took just getting through the first last year was my first year doing that so oh. yeah this project is so exciting and I can't wait to you can't wait to roll up to the Schomburg and do some thumb through all these interviews. That, was, that is my dream, right? And I set this goal of 100 interviews, so I'm 30 away. And I just, right, it's just like, I just want us as Black people, we'll come together. That's my goal. We'll come together at an event. We'll all be able to talk and just honor honor the lives, memorial the lives that, memorialize the lives that were lost. And just, you know, like acknowledge, like we survived. Like we survived. I interviewed a, a minister and he said, there is still trauma that we can't even talk about because we're just surviving. So right. thank you for being a part of this. 
Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Well, I'll definitely, I'll be in touch. I'll let you know when it's up. Okay. And I just, everyone needs to go see your plays. Your plays are genius. The subtext, oh. the theme, like the cultural references. Oh, I just, I love all of it. <laughs> so soon, hopefully soon, I'm in a period of rewriting on several projects. So, and, um, and working on adapting one play into a film. So, oh, boop, 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 boop. so soon, soon, some stuff soon um, yes. will be coming out. But yeah. Yes, I'm ready. I'm ready yeah. to, to go see you in the theaters. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Oh, well, thank you for your time today. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll be in touch. Okay, sweet. Thank you for listening to my conversation on this episode of Black America and COVID, an oral history project. If you enjoyed the episode, then please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. The more five stars the podcast has, the more visible it is, the more access I have to people who would like to share their story living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience with me, then email me at soniakillaroo at gmail.com. The email is in the show notes of the podcast. Or direct message me through my Instagram account, Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American sadly lost, during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me as well. This episode was written, produced, and audio engineered by me, Sonia Jean Kilbrew, podcast host and executive producer. Thanks for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID.